Welcome to the First Assembly podcast. We hope you enjoyed this week's message and find encouragement through the Holy Spirit. Well, it's going to be pretty exciting, and we're just blessed uh, to be a part of that, to be, as I mentioned, the host church. So, man, get ready. It's going to be a great summer. Hopefully, you haven't made your summer plans at the end of August, and if you have, it's not too late to change them. And we hope you can come be a part of that, uh, volunteer or attend. It's going to be absolutely fantastic to host the world here in Calgary, and trust that the Holy Spirit is converging the right people at the right time uh, to pour out in a fresh way His Holy Spirit. And how many know that Canada is primed and ready, and our city is primed and ready uh, for just a fresh move of God? So we're believing for that to take place. I want to celebrate somebody and something here real quick. Uh, Yinka Marcus in our congregation, she's one of our prayer warriors. I think she was in the first service, not sure she's here. But Yinka has recently authored a book or co-authored a book, and it's called Walk With Me. It's a devotional book. Uh, I've even read through some of the devotions, have enjoyed them. Uh, and I, I want to encourage you to uh, come to her book launch. It's actually happening next Sunday after church. So I just wanted to make you aware of that. And I just think it's exciting when people actually uh, follow a vision, step out in faith. We want to celebrate Yinka next Sunday. And so if you see her, congratulate her. Is she in this service? Or? There she is. We love you, Yinka. Congratulations. You're awesome. We want to get behind you. Celebrate that. Well, we're in a series, we're starting a, a brand new series today, the I Am Jesus series. So if you have your Bible, John chapter 6 is where we're going to pick this up. And John's gospel in the New Testament gives us seven I Am statements about who Jesus Christ is and who he says he is. And so we're exploring these pictures to help us understand Jesus in, in a deeper way. Uh, his love, his friendship, and how we are thankful for his saving power. And so we see these pictures, these metaphors in the book of John. And so in the scripture that we're looking at today, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. So I'm going to read the scripture. We're going to go through quite a bit this morning. And so if you have your Bible, you can follow along. If you have your device, you can turn that on. We also have them on the screens for you to follow along today. Starting at verse 25, so they found him on the other side. They found Jesus on the other side of the lake, and they asked, Rabbi, when did you get here? And Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. You want to be with me because I fed you, not because you understand the miraculous signs. But don't be so concerned about perishable things like food. Spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. For God the Father has given me the seal of his approval. And they replied, we want to perform God's works too. What should we do? And so Jesus told them, this is the only work God wants from you. Believe in the one he has sent. And they answered, show us a miraculous sign if you want us to believe in you. And what can you do? After all, our ancestors ate manna while they journeyed through the wilderness. Scripture says that Moses gave them bread from heaven to eat. And Jesus said, I tell you the truth, Moses did not give you bread from heaven. My father did. And now he offers you the true bread from heaven. And the true bread 
of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, give us that bread every day. And Jesus replied, he said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Psalm 34 says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for speaking to us today through your word and by your spirit. God, we pray today that your word would not just enter our minds as information, but God, you would enter into our lives completely and bring transformation. God, we want to know you more. We hunger and thirst for you. We thank you for your Holy Spirit. We thank you for what you're doing in this place. God, minister and grace us now in this time as we gather around this bread of life, this living bread. Let it nourish and replenish our souls in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. amen. So how many, how many of you are, are bread people? You like bread. Let's just get right to that this morning. Bread, isn't bread from heaven? It truly is. Some of you are like, no, I'm gluten-free, right? How many, <laughs> how many gluten-free, you know? Here's the thing about gluten-free, though. The reason why they invented gr- gluten-free bread is because those people couldn't live without bread. So they had to make some kind of bread. It doesn't taste as good, but it's still bread. How many know what I'm talking about? Uh, in general, I just have to you know, let you know, in general, I just love food. I'm just gonna tell you, right, you, that may surprise you. you. You may look at somebody with such an athletic physique and say, <laughs> unbelievable, I can't believe you like food that much. But I, I, love, I love food. And uh, I love all kinds of food. I love, one of the things I love about our church is our international potluck that we have uh, about once a year and sampling all the different nationalities. I mean, God created nationalities, I think, for several reasons. Uh, One, to spread us all out on the planet. Two, to create incredible kinds of food we can all enjoy. Uh, I'm so thankful for um, the, uh, uh, you know, different nationalities. How many people just are so thankful for Mexicans because they made tacos? They created, uh, so th- come on, Span- Mexican food is probably some of my favorite. You know what, one of, some of my favorite food though is Thai food. Like, come on, people from Thailand, I'm, uh, India, Indian food. How many people are big Indian food lovers, okay? I mean, I am telling you, there is some good food, and, and I, I love food. And, and you know, Heather and I, when we first were dating in, in our early years of our marriage, we used to get these things. Maybe you can still get them. They're called entertainment books. And they had in them coupons for two-for-one dinners at these restaurants you'd never heard of before. They're, a lot of them were just little holes in the wall, but uh, some of them were fancy restaurants. But we used to get these little entertainment books out, and we would go on dates. And I had, had no shame in pulling out a coupon at the end of that date because you call me cheap, you call me fruit, you call me a good steward of my finances, you call me whatever you want. But I, Heather and I, we had this agreement, even when we were dating, we're like, if we can save money on dinner, we're gonna do that. But we, we went to these different restaurants and we'd go out and enjoy dinner. I remember one night going to this particular place. It was a fancy restaurant. We were splurging that night. And so we thought, well, it's two for one. So, it's, you know, it's a pretty good deal. So we, we went and I think the meals were like 40 bucks or 50 bucks. And this is way back in the day. But you've been to one of these places before. They, they, you order off the menu, and what I ordered looked really good. It looked sustainable to me. It had, I think, beef in it and all. I'm like, okay, this is going to be good. I was hungry. 
they brought me the meal. And how, how many know what I'm talking about? The plate was this big. The food was this big in the middle. And they had some kind of drizzle on it. I don't know if you're supposed to eat it or take a picture of it. And they had vegetables that were cut weird. And you're just like, but the food, like the plate was this big. And so anyway, I was trying to be polite. You know, we're on a date. So, oh, how's the food? Oh, it's very good. And Heather and I were just, you know, saying how nice it was. And the presentation is <laughs> so nice and all this kind of, but we left the restaurant. I was so hungry and we, and we were driving home and, and Heather looks at me and, and I, and she said, Hey, thanks for taking that. It was a really nice restaurant. I said, did you like it? She said, yeah, I really liked it. The food was good. And but she looks at me, she says, are you hungry still? I'm like, yes, I'm very hungry still. And she says, can we go through the McDonald's drive-thru? I'm like, that's the kind of woman, that's the kind of woman you want to marry. Come on. So we went and got Big Macs and shakes and, you know, we're driving home and, you know, we blew all this money and, you know, these coupons and everything, this fancy, but, you know, I was not satisfied. I was not satisfied. And here's the thing. We all have an appetite, not just for food, but we have an appetite, a spiritual appetite. And and we're hungry spiritually. And God, I believe, has made every person, every individual with an appetite, a spiritual appetite. Someone said that God has put inside of us or he created us with a God-shaped hole inside of us that only God can fill. There's a hunger, there's an appetite that we all have. And just like our physical appetites, our spiritual appetites, they hunger for more. And we look for things to satisfy our spiritual appetites. For some people, it's just about achievement. It's about, you know, if I get that promotion and I'm working hard and I'm going to get to that place and, and, and then maybe that will fulfill my, my spiritual appetite. Or maybe if I get involved in, in these kinds of things and if I hang out with these kinds of people or if I make this kind of money or I dress in these kinds of clothes, then somehow my spiritual appetite will be Fulfilled, And I think deep down inside, to bottom line it today, I believe that what our spiritual appetite really represents inside of us is a longing to be loved and accepted by a father. I really believe that that's why God has made us that way. He has made us for a relationship with him. And we hunger and we thirst to know God in our lives in a deep way, in an intimate way, in a personal way. But we spend all kinds of energy and time often chasing things and, and trying to find all kinds of things in life. If I take that vacation or I go here or I do that or I have this experience and there's nothing wrong with enjoying life and all these things, but when they become what we see in, in, in our mind as if I get that, then somehow spiritually, somehow that longing, somehow I'll feel accepted, somehow I'll feel, I'll feel like if I can add that to my life, if I can add those components, then that's going to fulfill my need. If I can take that vacation or have that adventure, if I could have that experience, then I believe that somehow spiritually I'm going to be fulfilled. If I can achieve this kind of status in life, then my spiritual appetite will be fulfilled. Sometimes it's about aligning with people. Sometimes people get involved in relationships because deep down they, they desire to be fulfilled. They desire to be accepted and loved in the deepest sense. And they look to people or aligning themselves with people. Maybe, you know, you, you try to take that photo with that famous celebrity or that person and, and, and you try to get it on your social media so that people can see, oh, you must be somebody. You've aligned yourself with that kind of person. And for a moment, it feels like people love me, people accept me and people want me. It's a spiritual appetite that we all have. We're all born with that and we're driven to try to fill it. 
And this is what's happening in our text today in the context of John chapter 6. Earlier in the chapter, before the passage that we read, it's where we find Jesus feeding the 5,000. And most scholars believe that there were more than 5,000 people there that day. There would have been 5,000 men as well as women and children, probably 10, 15,000 plus people. It was a miracle that was so significant. It's in all of the Gospels. And there were crowds of people that were so blown away by what Jesus did while he took bread and he multiplied that bread. And it says that Jesus, he had compassion on the crowds and he met their need. And how many are so thankful, friends, today? Like, are are you thankful that he loves you? He cares about your need. He has compassion on you. And so there is nothing wrong with us saying, God, here's a need I have. And, and it's God's heart. It's his fatherly heart that loves to provide. He's our provider and to provide for our needs. But there are people there that were so impacted by this. They, they were blown away at what Jesus was doing. And it says that they wanted to, the crowds wanted to make him king by force. In other words, at the end of that miracle, they were saying, Jesus, this is incredible. We want to make you our king. And at the end of that day, Jesus went off to a quiet place by himself and the disciples, they didn't know where Jesus went, but they got in boats and they made their way and they were going across to the other side. And we see a beautiful picture of the good shepherd in John chapter six. We see just like the psalmist says that he makes me lie down in green pastures. We see that Jesus, when he fed the multitudes, he made them sit in green pastures And then it says, when the disciples went off into the water, into the stormy seas, that Jesus walked out on the water and the storms were calmed, that he leads me beside still waters. And then we see Jesus now talking about their souls, restoring their souls. They needed soul food. They they needed their souls nourished. And so the crowd then comes and they're finding themselves looking for Jesus. They couldn't find him. They get across. They realize the disciples had gone across to Capernaum. And so they get in boats and they get there and here's Jesus with his disciples. And they, they, they rush Jesus and they, they, they come around him and they say, oh Jesus, here you are. It's just amazing what you did. You did those incredible miracles. You did those tricks with bread. Show us how you do that. We, we, we want to find out more about you and we, we, we want to align ourselves with you. You, you, filled, you filled our hunger and you, you filled our need, but, but, but we want you to do that again. We, we want you to, to do some more tricks for us. We want you to, to show us some more miracles. And, and this is quite exciting. And then they were chasing Jesus. And they were chasing him down. And deep down inside, the the crowds, Jesus, there were crowds there that day, but Jesus wasn't all that impressed with the crowds because Jesus, even through the crowds, even a crowd like this this morning, Jesus looks through the crowd and he sees the individual. He sees the heart. He sees what's going on inside. And in our hearts, there's often mixture. All of us, all of us have mixture where we can tend to at times be like the crowds, forcing Jesus to be king. Maybe Jesus, you can do some things for me. Maybe you did some miracles yesterday and maybe you can do some more miracles for me today. And we chase Jesus for what he can do. We can, we, they chase Jesus for more miracles for him to perform. And they come and they say, Jesus, I want you to make my life better. And it's very similar to what I talked about a couple of weeks ago, kind of the what's in it for me mentality. And we have to guard this in our lives. And this could be because I didn't 
you know, kind of think this through two weeks ago where we would be in the scriptures today, but this, this idea is a theme that's come up again. We need to pay attention to this, that we don't make our faith about adding it to our lives and what's in it for me. And, and, it, and it addresses this here. We, we need to be careful of this. We need to be careful that our savior seeking is not just self-seeking in disguise. We need to be careful that as we seek Jesus, that it's not just about what he can do. An old friend, he is the good shepherd. He does make us lie down in green pastures. He does feed us. He is moved with compassion. He cares about our need. But at the end of the day, it's not just what Jesus can do for us. It's who he is. And this is the point that he is making in this sermon. This John chapter six is an entire sermon that Jesus gives and shares as the crowd now gathers in Capernaum. No doubt it started outside and perhaps moved inside at some point because we know he ended up uh, inside in the temple at that point in the synagogue. And so as Jesus then begins to share with them, he says these words, verse 47, he says, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes has eternal life. He said it again, yes, I am the bread of life. And your ancestors ate man in the wilderness, but they all died. And anyone who eats this bread from heaven, however, will never die. They were saying, Jesus, we want you to do tricks like Moses did, where bread fell from the heaven. And he reminded them a couple of things. One, it wasn't Moses who provided the bread for you. It was God. And sometimes we can so quickly look to man to fill that longing. We can look to people. We can look to leaders. We can look to uh, others and, and say, I want you to fulfill that longing in my life and meet that need. And Jesus reminds these, these ones here. He said, it wasn't Moses. Get your eyes off of people. It was God who provided manna. Now manna was in the Old Testament when the, the children of Israel were, were wandering around in the desert and God provided for them food and manna was bread from heaven. And it was kind of like a bread, wafery, kind of uh, sweet tasting um, wafer of some kind that was provided for the people of God. And they were to eat it uh, every day. And they were to eat it on the day that it was given, this daily bread. And it was a picture in the Old Testament of the true bread, who is Jesus. And so Jesus said, listen, it's not about the Old Testament picture. That was only a picture to show you what you really need. You need daily bread. You, you need me in your life every day. You, you need to, uh, to take me and consume me in your life. And manna means what is it? And I think it's a picture of, they, they didn't kind of know what to do with Jesus. They're, they're like, what, what is this all about, Jesus? I, I'm trying to figure out how this applies to my life. And, and so they were taking the words of Jesus quite literally at this point. But here's what he was saying is, at the end of the day, Jesus is, here's the thought, Jesus is the only one who can save you and satisfy you forever. This is what he is saying. He's saying, it's not about miracles happening or you know, getting just what you need just to get by. It is actually receiving me into your life. I am the only one that, you, that can save you and satisfy you. I am the one that you are ultimately seeking and looking for. Jesus said this in verse 51. He said, I am, he said it again, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Anyone who eats this bread will live forever. And this bread, which I offer so the world may live, is my flesh. Now, all of a sudden, Jesus starts talking about his flesh. And now the crowd begins to murmur. 
It's interesting because Jesus starts with a large crowd, 10, 15,000 people, the feeding of the 5,000, then a whole bunch of that crowd. No doubt some of them maybe went on their own way, but a whole bunch of that crowd came and they found him in Capernaum and now they're pressing him. They want things from him. And, And as they're pressing him, he's saying, listen, I know you have a spiritual hunger, but it's not about filling it by people, by man, by tricks, by miracles. It's actually, it's me you're looking for. And so now the crowd just starts, it gets, it starts murmuring. And there was a bunch of religious people in that crowd. And some of the, the Jews that were there, they were, they were trying to trap Jesus and test Jesus. And they said, if you do this for us, then we will do this. You see, it was all conditional. If you, if you do this for me, then I will, then I will receive you in my, in my life. And we got to be careful in our own hearts that we don't treat God like that. God, I'll tell you what, we're making deals with him. If you do this, then I'll do that. And if you don't do this, and I'm not going to follow you. If, if you do this kind of thing for me, then you know what? I'll serve you my whole life. And you know, there are times and places where I believe God sees our heart. And sometimes in our prayer, we say, Lord, you know, it's, it's an act of worship where we say, Lord, uh, you know, as you bless me, I will follow you. And, and we live our lives from a place of blessing. But I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a, kind of a testing or a teasing of God where we're just like, listen, if you got to prove yourself to me. You got to prove yourself to me or or forget it. I'm out of here. And I think that's the kind of heart we have to guard against. But these were some of the things that were going on in the crowd. And now the crowd begins to murmur. And now the crowd begins to get smaller. And then Jesus starts talking a little bit crazy. And he starts talking about flesh. He said, I'm the living bread. And what I offer is my flesh. And now it's getting crazy. Jesus, why are you talking about your flesh? It gets crazier. He says this in verse 54. He says, but anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. And I will raise that person up at the last day. For my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. Anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in him. What is Jesus talking about? How many know the crowd starts getting smaller. Jesus, okay, that's crazy talk, Jesus. What are you talking about, Jesus? This is weird. Like, I mean, this is like vampire stuff. Like, what is going on? Eat my flesh, drink. And now people are kind of going, what is happening? And it's messing with their minds. And we know later that Jesus is using this as an illustration, as a picture, and as a metaphor, because he says later on in the text, he said, the words I speak to you are spirit and life, not actual. He's not saying, Peter, would you want to just put some hot sauce and take a bite out of my arm? He's not, he's not just saying, eat my flesh literally. We know he says the words I speak are, are spirit and life. In other words, if you can get what I'm saying, but here's what he's saying. He's saying, he's saying you cannot just receive part of me. If you want to be my disciple, if you want to follow me, you must consume me. You must consume me. And he says this, following, here's the the point, following Jesus means I receive all of him on the inside of me. Just like you would ingest bread. Just like you would take bread every day. How many people this morning, when you got up, you were thinking about breakfast this morning? Why? Because you're hungry. And you get up and you think, well, I got to have some energy. I got to have some, some thing that sustains me for the day. I want you to know this morning I got up and I was hungry and I made a power shake this morning. 
How many people made power shakes this morning? I had a protein powder and a banana and cinnamon, and, and it was awesome. It was just amazing. I want you to know that's why I'm preaching so well this morning. One of the reasons, it's, it's the grace of God in my life, but the protein shake, it doesn't hurt. Come on. Um, I'm telling you right now, some of you had your cereal, you had your toast, and, and when you eat your food, what do you do? You actually ingest it inside, and then that food becomes nutrients to you, and it begins to flow through your bloodstream, and it gives you, it gives you vitality, it gives you life, and what Jesus is saying, you can't follow me just for things I do for you on the exterior, just for things that I do for you temporarily. If you follow me as a disciple, I'm saying, I am the bread of life, I'm the one you're looking for, I, I'm the one that you're searching for, and you'll only be satisfied through consuming me in your life and making me just part of you and who you are. And this is the mystery, and this is the beauty of it. This is why manna, manna, the word is, what is it? And I think sometimes we think our relationship with Jesus, what is it? It's interesting because the scripture says that our relationship with God is that we are hidden in God with Christ, so we are in God somehow, supernaturally. Do you understand that? Me either. But we're in God through Christ. But also that as we follow him by faith, we come and we believe. And as we come and believe, he comes and he lives inside of us. And he makes his presence alive inside of us as we consume him every day. Give us this day. Our daily bread is more than a prayer for the things that we need. Our daily bread is truly the manna. Our daily bread is truly Jesus. Jesus, I need you every day and I need you inside of me. What is it? It's a relationship. And in a relationship, you begin to consume and, and you begin to bring on the values, the characteristics, the preferences of those you are in relationship. Otherwise, friends, how much of a relationship is it? In our family, I remember, you know, when the kids were little, we, they'd, you know, get into an argument and we would say things like, okay, in our family, the Johnsons, we don't speak to each other like that. And they'd be like, you know, why? Because we are the Johnsons. That's why we don't do that. It's family identity. Why? Because when you're in relationship here, this is, or here's what we do in a positive way. When somebody is lonely at school and they're sitting by themselves, we go sit with that kid who has no friends. Why do we do that? Because we are the Johnson family. This is who we are. You see, because when you're in relationship, if you're in a marriage or you have a boyfriend or a girlfriend, if that relationship is all about your own selfish needs and you're only in that relationship to get out what you want, how many know that relationship is unhealthy for one? And number two, it's not gonna last very long. And in our relationship with God, in our relationship with Jesus, what Jesus is saying is you are in me, but also I am in you. And who I am lives inside of you. It is the res resurrected Christ. It is the power of the Spirit, the Spirit of God who lives in us. But every day, I believe that it is a choice to come to him and say, Jesus, you are the bread of life in me. And, 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 and you have everything I need, everything you are. He says, I am the bread of life. And when Jesus was using this, I am, and we're going to be talking about this throughout the whole series, but I am, he was identifying himself. He was saying, I am God. I am everything you need. It's the same thing he said to Moses when he encountered Moses at the burning bush. 
And Moses said to him, he had this incredible experience. This God is showing up in his life. And Moses has this experience with God and he says, go and tell my people, you know, that I'm going to, you know, tell Pharaoh to let my people go. I'm going to use you, Moses, as a deliverer. And he said, he has all these arguments with God and he has all these arguments. He says, he says, well, what am I going to tell him? Who, who, who am I going to tell him has sent me? And God says to him, tell him, I am who I am is my name. And I am has sent you. Could you imagine even that moment at the burning bush when, you, when Moses heard the voice, like just the thunder? Revelation talks about how God's voice is like, a th- like thunder. You know, it's just like the sound of many waters. Just, I am who I am. Just like, whoa. Because here's the thing. Jesus is not just a little piece. And I get what I want from Jesus, like a good luck charm. But Jesus is I am. It's in him we live and move and have our being. In him. He is everything, friends. He is the reason why you're born. He's the reason why you're here today. And he deserves reverence. And he deserves us saying, you are the living bread. And Lord, today, I just, I, I make, I consume you. People are freaking out at this time, though, because they don't understand that the words that Jesus is speaking is spirit and life. It says that many disciples walked away because it was too much for them. Because at some point, the relationship you have to choose is following Jesus is what he requires and what he asks of you and me. Is it too much for you? Would you rather go on self-seeking and looking to fill your spiritual thirst and hunger on your own? Or are you willing to come and say, Jesus, you are the one I need. You are the one I'm looking for. And to receive him fully into your life. It says that these disciples walked away. You know, I believe that offense, people were getting offended. And offense, I believe, is still a major reason why people walk away from Christ or don't come to Christ in the first place because they say, well, Jesus, here's the deal. I want to still rule my own life. I still want to do it completely my own way. And true blue Christianity is surrender. True blue Christianity following Jesus is, Jesus, you are. I am who I am. You you are everything. And I humbly submit my life into your hands, trusting and knowing, God, that you are a good father, trusting and knowing that you are the only one that can satisfy what I'm longing for. And those of us in the room today that are followers of Jesus, we know that to be true, don't we? That he is the only one that can satisfy. He is the bread from heaven. He he is the living bread and brings life to us, not only sustaining our lives, but giving us eternal life. Giving us eternal life. He's the one that saves us and sustains us. He's the only one that will satisfy us forever. Verse 60, many of his disciples said, this is a very hard to understand. Another translation, this is a very hard saying. And what this means in the original language is not this is hard to understand intellectually. It means this is hard to take. It is actually hard to take because Jesus, what you're asking me for is full surrender. And it says, this is hard to take. How can anyone accept it? And Jesus was aware that his disciples were complaining. 
And so he said to them, does this offend you? Does this offend you? And at one point, Jesus turns to his disciples, even the ones that were close to him. He said, are you guys going to leave me too? And this is what Peter said. Peter said, we can't leave you, Jesus. Why couldn't the disciples leave Jesus? Because they had tasted and seen that he is good. They had tasted. They, I, they took that manna and they said, that manna is sweet. That manna is what I need. Uh, that bread of life, that living bread, is, I've tasted. And friends, I'll tell you what, you will not walk away once you taste how good he is. You will not walk. You may be tempted at times. You may be chasing other things. You may be getting distracted at times. But when you taste the living bread, when, when, you, when you receive Jesus and you consume him and you say, Jesus, you are the living bread. You're what I need. You are the I, you are I am. You are I am. You are I am. The first and the last, the beginning and the end. God, you are everything I need. You are the answer to every problem. You are the answer to everything I walk through. God, you are, you are what I need in this situation. You are what I need when I'm discouraged. You're what I need when I'm succeeding. You're what I need, God, in every area of my life because I've surrendered to you and I am in you and you are in me and you You are the living bread and you give me life, God, and not only life now, but eternal life. And I receive you gladly and I consume you gladly into my life. This is what it means. And Peter said, I'd tasted that. Verse 68, Simon Peter answered, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life and we have come to believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. You see, Peter had tasted and seen how good the Lord is. Peter knew that Jesus, he wasn't just the baker. Hey, Jesus, you're the baker. Can I put my order in and get the bread I need? He knew that Jesus himself was the bread that he needed. And so this morning, I want to invite you to stand. and I want to pray for you today and pray for all of us that we would taste and see that the Lord is good in a new way in our lives today. But before I do that, I wonder this morning if you would have a spiritual hunger today and you're here and you've been looking all kinds of places and ways to fulfill that. Do you feel your need today? Do you feel your need for him today? Do you feel your need because you've been looking everywhere? Today, friend, Jesus is what you need. He is the bread of life. There's the words come and believe many times throughout this passage of scripture. And they're kind of one and the same thing. When you come to Jesus, you have to believe. And you can't just intellectually believe in Jesus. You actually have to come to him. It's, it's both and. It's a relationship. And I wonder if there would be some here today. And today's your day. Let's just pray for a few moments in this room. And if you're here today and you say today, I want to give my life to Christ. And I want to lead you in a prayer. And I believe there are people in this room even right now. You've been chasing all kinds of things. You've been looking to fulfill in your life that spiritual appetite, and you have not been able to satisfy it. Some of you have tried other religions and new age and all kinds of things, material things and money. Some of those things are not necessarily bad on their own, things like money and success, and as long as they are not what you're looking at to fulfill you. But this morning you're saying, Jesus, I recognize my need for you. I hunger and thirst for you. The promise in scripture is if you hunger and thirst for righteousness, you will be filled. 
And I believe that God is a filler and he's filling each one of us today. So if you're here today, maybe just pray that prayer from your heart. I just want to lead you. Just pray, Jesus, here I am. I ask you to come into my life. Forgive me of my sin. Just make me a new creature. I believe you died on the cross for me. You rose from the dead. You're alive today. Help me to put my trust in you. I put my trust in you today. And thank you for saving me. I believe if you prayed that from your heart, you can know you're born again and God loves you today. And Casey's going to tell you today about how you can take your next step in the Lord just in a moment. But there's others of us today as well that there's just been some ways we've got off track. It's not that Jesus is not our living bread. That It's not that we don't love Jesus or we don't know him, but could it be there are some things that we've been chasing and some affections? And we just say today, Lord, I want to receive you again fresh in my life. Just as the living bread that you're the one. I want to go deeper in you. There's How many know there's always more in God? And so why don't we pray into that? So Father, I pray for my friends this morning as well. God, I pray that you would do a deep work by your spirit. That you would lead us, God, into a deep place of intimacy, of knowing you, of walking with you. I thank you, God, for decisions being made in the room, spiritual decisions to follow you. And God, I thank you for my friends today, Lord, as a church. Would you help us, God, and heal us from just self-seeking when we should be Savior-seeking? Not just self-seeking and not just Savior-seeking and getting mixed up and thinking it's about us, but Lord, it really is about you. Would you help us in that, God? And would you lead us deeper into your heart? God, we just give you all of our worship today and all of our praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship together this morning. Thank you so much for listening to this message. We pray that you have received truth and have been encouraged. For more information about First Assembly, how to get connected, and to listen to our latest worship albums, please visit our website at www.fa.church. 